Hello, and welcome to The Home Building Hero, where we help you become the hero of your new home by providing you all the information that you need, no matter if you're building, buying, or designing your next project. We got you covered here at The Home Building Hero. We're brought to you today by the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin Studios. Today's topic is technology and building and finding the right trades. And I'm joined here today by Felix Vasquez of Hyphen Solutions. Hey, Felix, welcome to The Home Building Hero. Thank you, David. I appreciate you having me on today. Fantastic. Yeah, it's very exciting to have you uh, all the way from Texas. So um, I, I imagine the weather is a little better down there right now than what we're dealing with. But Yes, a- a- absolutely. It's, it's in the mid 40s today, but it's not raining or sleeting or anything else. So Okay, well, we're about the same then. So <laughs> I guess, I, I, guess uh, I can't. Uh, I was I was thinking maybe you're in the 50s or 60s here. So, okay, well, um, first off, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, Felix? Um, Kind of how how did you get started in the industry and uh, why why did you choose the, the building and the, now the technology part of the industry? Oh, it was purely by accident. <laughs> I'll start. Uh, you know, I was that kid that uh, when I got toys, I took them apart. I had an engineer's mindset and I loved computers, and and so that's what I went to school for. Ultimately, it was computer science and electrical engineering. Um, but and when I was working on my MBA because I was so technical, I ended up meeting uh, Donald Tomnitz, who was uh, CEO of Dr. Horton at the time. And we just got into a great relationship. Ultimately, I left IBM and uh, joined DR Horton as their CIO. And this was in the late 90s. And uh, that's what got me into home building. So it was just an incredibly interesting industry. So you started more with the technology background and then kind of integrated it into uh, a larger national home builder. Is that Absolutely. Was was the consummate computer nerd. And uh, it's funny, you know, people say home builders don't use technology and and I would argue they do they you know when, when you look at the late 90s when I got into home builders and you say okay well who had more cell phones in any other industry okay well first that was the telcos but you exclude them it was home builders and I think we can all remember the push to talk I mean that thing was everywhere oh yeah I had the next telephone yep I remember that yeah that used to be like you get the little beep and it was like right so, so the walkie-talkie thing but it was super helpful yeah, it was inexpensive. It was easy to use and everybody had one. So, right, it had already developed this huge network. So do you really want to go do something else or do you want to use cheap, easy, and everybody's on it? And so from that perspective, if your technology will follow those kind of protocols, then you're probably going to have a pretty good reach within this industry because we, we tend to adopt those things that have those features. Yep, absolutely. Uh, uh, I think it's more sometimes that builders are a little slower to adopt them than maybe some of the under, other industries. And I think sometimes technology itself sometimes takes a little longer to integrate into our industry versus like say an auto industry or something like that, because we're, we're not, there's, there's more of us around and we're, we're not as centralized. Right. And, you know, I mean, obviously you work for DR Horton, so big, big company there. And, and, you know, they, they probably have, you know, more R and D budget than most builders. So uh, you guys maybe rely on that more than, than the, the smaller guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Extremely fragmented industry, right? Yes. If you sold the top five automakers, you'd get 70% of the entire U.S. market. If you sold the top 200 home builders, you'd get 50%. So just a difference in scale. But, you know, home building is such an incredible dynamic business. Uh, really simple, but also complex in its uh, simplicity in that there's a lot of relationships that have to happen to actually build one single home. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a lot about relationships, especially with trades, customers, the whole nine yards. Um, so kind of going back in your career a little bit, obviously you were sort of the 
technological development guy at one of the largest builders in the world and uh, or in the America, at least maybe, I don't know about the world, but uh, probably pretty close to. Um, so, you know, what was that like? And then, you know, what kind of then led you into the path of, of going off uh, and doing hyphen solutions? Sure. So, you know, I, I think uh, working for a home builder, especially like Horton or Lennar or you know, some of these other really large players, Taylor Morrison, Toll Brothers, uh, they're so dynamic, right? They, they change on a dime based on customer need, market conditions, land availability, uh, designs of homes and things that people need. So you as the technology guy had to be able to bend to that, to that will of what the customer needs. And my customer was always a home builder, a salesperson, a construction manager, a purchasing agent, an accountant, a land guy. There's so many, it's such a diverse population that you have to know a lot of different things, but then you actually have to, it's like everything else. You have to go meet with the consumer of your product to find out what they need and how quickly you can deliver that. But again, just you know, it's, it's an incredible machine. It's a lot of moving pieces and different varying needs, right? Salespeople get paid on a commission, so they want to get every last option. A construction manager gets paid to build the house fast. So if you keep adding options, it's going to take me longer to build that sure. house. Sure. So and, you're the guy with, uh, you know, 10 different bosses or maybe 50 different bosses. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you had to find yeah. a way to make them all happy and make everybody play and work together nicely, right? Hey, look, I, I tried to keep the bar low. As long as I didn't have people mad at me, like happy was another level. So if I okay. could get people mad at me. <laughs> Was, yep. a, was a great start to the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we started uh, looking at uh, lean philosophies and uh, the teachings of Deming, the Toyota way, just in time arrival of labor and materials. And what we felt like is if we could apply those principles to home building, right, instead of manufacturing and say, okay, well, you know, your t-shirt costs $4 to produce and you sell it for $24 in a store, you know, what happens if you increase the inventory turn just a little bit, you make a lot more money. Sure. Now you, you change that and apply that same principle. What do you do when your product takes four months to build and costs $200,000? What happens when you increase your inventory turn just a little bit? Well, well the cost savings are just dramatic. And, and, you know, within home building, you know, this is it. The only way to really absorb those savings is to pass those systems down through your supply chain. And that's really the focus that Hyphen took was, hey, I don't just need the builders. I need the suppliers to be on the same system. Because if a homeowner makes a change to the color of carpet, the old carpet's getting put in, the old color's getting put in, unless that message gets to the supplier. And so that's what we do is that, you know, real-time disruptive information load saying, hey, don't show up with yesterday's information because today something changed and you need to react to that. And as a builder, I need to see that you react into it, that, you know, I handed you the football, you acknowledge sure. that you have the football. Yep. And now you're oh, that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. You have to over communicate and uh, yeah. Otherwise you're relying completely on your staff and, you know, it, it could be one little thing that could, could, could completely goof up their day. You know, they get caught at another job site and they're supposed to meet somebody and, there's an accident and they can't get through. And all of a sudden there's, you know, yeah, we have cell phones and things, but you know, the guy that needs the information is there sitting there working on his saw and, you know, isn't paying attention to his phone and all of a sudden something gets missed. Right. And mistakes, Absolutely. what do they do? They take time and they cost money. Right. Every single time. And it's amazing. You know, when we look back at, at the old way of doing things and like someone would just send you a fax, well, the fax could get stuck. It could fall behind the machine. I send you an email, which could end up in junk mail where you didn't open it. Right. So a real time disruptive information. Then when I can see that you've read what I sent you automatically and it changes my screen, I don't have to call you and ask you, did you get my fax? Did you get my email? I'm sure. Yeah. 
it's when you read it, I get a check mark in my screen that tells me you read it and that tells me you acknowledge it and you're going to do what I asked you to do, which is a completely different way of, of looking at things, if you will. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure some of the trades love it because they get that information, but then they probably are like, oh, I got nowhere to pass the buck now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Transparency does bring a different set of problems to this situation. Yeah. Well, that's accountability though, which is a good thing to have. So. Um, so speaking of hyphen solutions, what, what specifically does hyphen solutions do and kind of what do you, what do you offer, especially to the builder market here and, and, and how do you help them? Uh, great question. If you'd have asked me that 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I would tell you, we make a great scheduling system and, and it works throughout the entire supply chain. Asking me that, that question today, though, my answer would change significantly. My answer is we use technology to solve complex business problems within the residential construction supply chain, which means it's for builders, it's for suppliers, it's for manufacturers. And those problems can be purchase order generation distribution. It can be extra purchase orders, warranty work, inspections. It can be just a collaboration, doc sharing, but it's everything. It's all the different pieces you need as a home builder to do your operations. But every one of those, we work like Newton's law. With, for every action on the builder side, there's an equal and, and maybe not necessarily opposite reaction, but there's a reaction that needs to happen on the supplier side. And so we provide the collaboration platform for both sides to have up to, this, up to the second information around the other party's tenure. And over and above that, it, it's not just good for you as a supplier, it's good for the next guy as a supplier. So if I'm the cabinet guy and I haven't finished my work, the countertop guy who's following behind me, who can't put in his countertops until I'm yep. done, mm -hmm. can actually see my progress within the system, right? So we've opened up the network so that all the data points are available to anyone who's potentially impacted. So if I'm running late, I impact the guy behind me, but he can know that before he ever drives out to the job site using our tool sets. Okay. And is it uh, fairly simple? Because obviously that's the one challenge sometimes with trades is they don't maybe understand software as well, or they, they avoid that kind of stuff because they just want to work with their hands. They want to make it, they want to do the thing, but you know, they don't necessarily want to, you know, engage with that technology. So is it, is it a simple interface to, to help them out? So I, I would tell you it's incredibly simple, but I've used it for 20 years. So I'm a terrible person to be able to answer that question. I will tell you, it's like the first time you drive a car and you're like, you're checking your mirrors, you're looking around you, you're putting it into gear, you're letting off the brake at, at the same time you're pressing the gas. So there's a lot to, to see because there's a ton of information. After two weeks using the system, you're going to use most of the things 80% of the time and they're going to be back your hand. You don't even think about changing lanes. You look, you put the blinker, you change lanes. Sure. And our system works just like that. It's just there's a lot when you first get exposed to it, just like the first time you went down the highway was probably one of the most scariest. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. you just got to make it a habit, right? You got to get everybody to get in the good habit of, you know, checking it off and, and updating and. Yeah. Exactly right. And actually that that's the biggest point of failure, right? Is forgetting or not doing something right. Because the guy in the field checking the process or making the updates that impacts everyone else down the line for him. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so you know, obviously we talked a little bit about the segmented nature of our industry and builders. And why do you, why do you think it's important for builders to adopt these kind of programs and this kind of software uh, for their operation? What, what are they going to gain from something like that? Uh, so a couple of things. The first one is you're going to become more profitable. And it's just because you can track your job costs, you can track trends, you can find issues as they're arising and go, hey, was this an outlier? Is this a one-time event? Or is this a trend of my framer's always late or is having an issue. And then you can then 
do root cause analysis, find out, oh, I've got this really complex plan that if I would have engaged my framer, he would have told me, make these two changes, I can finish five days sooner, right? But if you're not engaging them, and so what our tools do is they bubble up that information so that you have usable management information that you can make decisions from, or at least that enable conversations. And so I'd like to save you money, save you time. And at the end of the day, if we can do that, you'll be more profitable. If you can engage your suppliers better, you'll be a lot more profitable because at the end of the day, as a home builder, everything you do is a function of what it costs those guys to serve you. Right. Sure. And so if you're sense. increasing their cost to serve you, you're increasing your personal cost. So everything you can do to help them be efficient and save money is going to pay you extreme dividends. Okay. That makes sense. And uh, for, for you guys, uh, assuming you're not just for, for the bigger builder, you guys, you work with builders of any size or custom builders, production builders, does it work for everybody? So uh, mostly our, our current user base looks like production home builders. You know, when you have 20 of the top 25, they tend to move you in a certain direction. But sure. over the last few years, we've uh, bought some local regional software programs like Bricks, Home Homefront, as well as IBS WinFaro. So now we're pushing down market. So all the tools that we've proffered to the market for years to the large builders, we've pushed down market. We have over 400 builders of almost every size. Okay. That's amazing. Um, so as far as technology as a whole, like where do you see that role of technology and software? And what do you see in, you know, if you could look ahead in the future, the next 10 years, where do you see this industry going? What, what big changes or disruptions do you see happening? So, so for us and where we're spending most of our energy is in trying to provide uh, all the features and benefits of a vertically integrated supply chain. So look, you mentioned it earlier. Home builders are really fragmented. The suppliers are even more fragmented than, than, than the builders. So there's just a ton of people. And so I don't think anybody's just gonna go buy all the insulators or buy all the plumbers and they're gonna only work for one builder. I think it's just too voluminous to try and get that. It's not gonna be successful. But by using the systems the way that we do today, I think a builder can know whether the products that he's about to sell in this home are in stock or not, or whether they're at the distributor versus my last mile supplier, or whether they're in the wrong market and the manufacturer needs to move stuff around. So I think if we publish that information forward, then we can impact what's in the design center and in the studios and steer people to the right things so that we don't have product fulfillment issues within the chain. So, you know, if my wife can know I'm at Tom Thumb and not at the baseball game and tell me, hey, while you're there, get milk, then there's no reason for a builder not to know where the products are that are about to be in his home. Sure. Well, and especially nowadays, you know, the, uh, the stock issues and the product availability with COVID and everything that's going on, you know, that's even a bigger concern than it's ever been, you know, appliances not being here and just, you know, missing one part and it's, you're waiting for it to come off the boat from China and everything else is assembled and it's just sitting there waiting for that part. So uh, that would be powerful to know, know that and know kind of, okay, we got to take this off the platform for a while or take this out of the, the showroom. And... and and that's a good point because when you look at how manufacturers make product transition, so I might change the fascia of my dishwasher before I do the stovetop or the microwave. And so if I run out of something, do you want to have a mismatch look or do you want to go ahead and move forward with changing some of the product lines so you can have that thing? Or do you want to talk to your homeowner in advance and say, hey, we were able to upgrade you to a better dishwasher that has these features and it looks a little bit different, but we gave you a significant upgrade and it didn't cost you a dime, right? Some of that is just 
knowing what's going to happen to you. And I think that information allows you to, to show that in a very positive light versus the homeowner coming in going, wow, you know, playing Sesame Street, which one of these things doesn't belong? Sure. Like, yep. It could have been a very positive experience had you had the data to know that in advance. And of course, uh, our appliance manufacturers never change the product, uh, you know, <laughs> in a year, right? It's like, hey, this this dishwasher is different than the one I got, you know, two months ago and the one I got four months ago, right? It's, a, it's amazing, right? Absolutely. Yep. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, I know one of the things you're passionate about is is hiring trades and, and, you know, getting quality trades in and, you know, how, how do you, how does a builder now, that's one of their biggest challenges with skilled labor. How does uh, a builder lure subcontractor talent and what, what's a good way for them to increase their talent pool? That, that, that's a great question. And I like the word lure because it, it alludes to what's happened in this industry, right? We have a real trade partner shortage. And so there's a few things that you should do. One, if you're already on my system, you should just go click on the trade finder. It's free. And for any category of service that you type in, electrical HVAC, and hit search within a 50 mile radius of your zip code, it'll pull up everyone who's on the system. And then each wow. one of those guys has their own kind of Facebook or LinkedIn page that tells you how to get in contact with them. So it's an easy way to see guys who are on the system, fully trained, how many years of experience, how, how much insurance they have, the types of insurance. So all their information is free and available. If you don't have that, you need to be looking at things like the contractor blue book. And then once you do that, there's a series of other things like, don't just take the cheapest bid. Like oh, a, yeah. a we talked about that all the time, right? Yep. <laughs> yes. Has a few characteristics like parts and quantities, like a scope of work, uh, warranty and service rules, a service level with how quickly I'm going to come back and how I prove to you that I'm doing a high quality job, right? And a really good uh, subcontractor or trade partner is actually going to use field automation tools that let them take pictures like, here's what perfect looks like and here's what my installation looks like. It looks just like the picture of perfect, right? And those tools will automatically feed you the progress and the updates of their work. So you don't have to go look for it. It's giving you disruptive notifications, right? So, so if you get those kinds of things, then it's really helpful. Uh, another thing that I would tell every builder, the, the good ones are already doing this. And it doesn't mean you're a good one if you're not. It means someone's beating you to the punch sure. at giving the supplier a great experience. And that is regular check-ins. If you aren't meeting with your most crucial or constrained subcontractors, I promise you someone else is. I just because sure. yep. the guys who are trying to make you feel good about what you do for me are the ones that are going to make you you feel good by coming Absolutely. to do a great job for you. So a good pr uh, practice is to try and put out a vendor scorecard so that your trade partner can see what you're doing, what you think of them, where he's performed well, and what are areas for improvement. Yeah. It's never fun when you're bringing a trade in and you got to kind of have the talk with them. Like, you know, Hey, this is an issue and this is going on and, you know, we want to make you aware of it. And I mean, we always try and do that with our trades. If there is an issue, we kind of talk through it first and we, you know, Hey, you know, been with us a long time. We noticed this is slipping or whatever. Um, you know, we can get this corrected. Everything's all good, but if not, then we're going to have to start kind of looking around a little bit and you don't ever want to have to have those conversations. You don't. And what's even worse is to call someone in and for that to be a surprise to them, for them to go, I, I had no idea. Why are, why are we having this conversation and you're mad at me? We should have been having this conversation when you first found it. And can you give me the specific instances or these anecdotal, well, over the last couple of weeks kind of things, right? And fighting with data is just so much more powerful because it removes the subjectivity out of it. And even better practice is to also put something out to the suppliers that let them know 
how you think you're you are performing. Oh sure, yep, yep. Right yeah. to go like three sixty hey, feedback, right? <laughs> oh, isn't that amazing? Right. Yep. You yep. say, hey, on these five jobs, I know I didn't give you enough lead time, or hey, I know I took too long to pay you, or whatever the case is. But to the extent that you can say, hey, I recognize these as shortcomings, and before you complain about me, let me tell you that these are the issues we've identified. If you found something else, please let me know because we're always in for improving our workflow with you and making your experience with me as a builder better. If you're doing that, that you probably already have good subs working for you and you're going to continue to, to, to get those. Absolutely. And so that kind of leads into my next question and there's finding the trades, but then it's also keeping them and retaining them. So I think you kind of answered part of the question, what are some strategies that can help? Obviously that, that feedback and a good experience, anything else that uh, comes to mind? Sure. I, I would tell you, and I've heard a few different builders say this uh, phrase, which is, we want to be your builder of choice. You know, if, if you've got two houses, you could start framing on today, and they're from two different builders. What are the things that I'm doing to make sure you select me versus my competition? And if you, if you really think about that, that's happening every single day because there aren't enough subcontractors out there. Sure. So, when you do that and you say, I want you to pick me, I would tell you, look at your internal processes. Are you offering up a good job schedule information that is constantly updated? Or do your subcontractors have to drive your work sites and your home sites to find out if the job is ready for them? Like that second guy who's doing yep. that, he's picking the other builder. Because sure. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Can your subcontractor see all the other tasks just from their, their main interface. If they can't, you're probably a little bit harder to work for. Do you pay on time every time? Because mm -hmm. if you don't, and I'm looking at two framing jobs and one of them's going to pay me in 20 days and the other one's going to pay me in seven, I'm probably going to go to the guy that's paying me in seven days, right? And it's absolutely, these are not 5013 Cs. These are not, you know. Yeah, well, the payroll there, whether, you know, sometimes whether they're putting the walls up or not, they still got to pay their guys and and those those things don't go away. So um, right. especially you get builders where they're, you know, weeks behind and, and you hear about those things and it's and, not and not a good situation. That's, that's extremely tough because they're, they're trying to grow and you're holding on to their working capital. So it's hard for them to grow their enterprise, invest in training and hire new folks if you're constraining their capital. Another big one with respect to the looking at the capital is, can your subs see the payment status for everything that they've done for you, right? Do they have to call Jenny in accounting or can they look on their phone and go, hey, five of the things that I've done have been approved for payment. The other two haven't, but I know who I can call by pushing this button to talk to whoever that CM is to get that approved so I can get paid, right? Yep. And, the and easy so button, right? It, it, it so is, right? And, and you go think about it and it's about what's their experience with you. And I know builders spend a lot of time thinking about their consumer experience and their customer journey as they're selling a home and building a home and they're warranting that home. But how many builders have taken a look at their trade partner and subcontractor journey? What does that look like from bid all the way through they become working with you and then their experience working with you? If you look at what your subcontractor journey is, you're going to have to deal with a lot more organizations to really be at that top. But if you're at the top, you're going to find all the subs you need because other guys talk to each other oh, and yeah. they're going to yeah, leave they're... those other ones and come work for you. Yep. That, that's probably the biggest hint I could be is to give to anyone is be the builder of choice. Go really look at your supplier journey, not your customer journey, because I, I promise you every builder's already done that. But there's very few really 
good builders have looked at their supplier journey. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's great advice for anybody that's in the building industry. And even the consumers that listen to the podcast as well, it's like, you, you want to hear that your builder is someone like that, you know, because the trades make a difference. And, and we, we hinted at this earlier about the price thing where you don't want to just pick anyone based on price. And that's true, not only with you picking a builder, but it's true with you picking your trades and so on and so forth. And, you know, our philosophy is we use the same guys over and over again. We kind of have a couple of each, but that's it. We stay within our pool because we know what we're going to get and we can promise them consistent work and, you know, pay them in a certain time. And there's, there's a level of expectation there. When you bring somebody new in or somebody that's a little cheaper, you don't know what you're going to get. And most of the time, especially if they're a lot cheaper, you're probably not going to get the same level of care, service, quality, whatever it is that, uh, that you get from your current vendor. David, it's an interesting point uh, for, for a few reasons. I'll, I'll tell you the one that really resonates for me about what you said was what you did with your, your, your subcontractor for you got a few that you use on every single piece and, and you know what they're going to deliver. I would bet you you've aligned your goals with their goals. And, and I think you called some of them out, which is, hey, I'm going to give you consistent work. I'm going to give you, you know, enough work to keep you busy, to feed your family, do everything you need. Absolutely. Yeah. You well. And so you, you have created an alignment. So you guys are all in that boat rowing together in sync yep. as if you were part no, Exactly. Of and, you know, we're not just competing with trades, just with other builders, but sometimes we're competing with our previous customers because, for example, yesterday, my painter was in my office. He's been with us for 30 years. And he has one of my customers calling him like almost daily. I want you to come paint, repaint my house, repaint my house. And he said, I'm not going to mess up my relationship with David, my builder, you know, for your one job. He's like, now, if David doesn't have anything for me, you know, one week, I can come over and do it. But he's like, right now I've got four jobs lined up and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make him sit there and wait and hang because that's, you know, you're paying me for a day. Um, you know, I need, I need uh, the next five years of my life figured out. And, and, and that's crucial. Where you create alignment and everyone's goals, we're really pushing for the same thing. You get a higher quality of service. You get the loyalty that's there for you. Uh, there's just so many benefits. And that loyalty is going to pay off. And I think you said it just a few seconds ago with, with really customer retention and that your customers know they're going to get a high quality product from you because you've already worked on all those other pieces. So you know what you're delivering to the consumer. Yep, absolutely. I think that all goes hand in hand for sure. So um, look at the big picture of our industry. Uh, what do you think right now is the biggest challenge that we're faced with out there? Well, so, so I, I think it's still around uh, the pandemic and, and, and the, the scarcity and the fear, the trepidation that that leaves in everyone's minds. You know, the interest rates are fantastic right now. The uh, new household for formations are fantastic right now. If you look at what the builders have done, they have right-sized their product in almost every market. So if you're building, you know, not a McMansion that's 7,000 square feet and, and it's going to cost $4 million. If you're building something that's got great indoor-outdoor living space that extends the home footprint on a smaller lot that's affordable, like those things are moving like hotcakes. So I think th that's well. I, I think that uh, that buyers who, who are out there that have comfort in their jobs are still picking up homes every chance they, they, they Yeah, they can. talked a lot about like the suburban shift too, where people are migrating out of the heavily urban areas, obviously, and getting into, you know, more of a, you know, rural suburban type area. Um, obviously, a lot of reasons, whether it's getting out of apartments and shared spaces, but then you see the violence in some of the bigger cities. And I think people are like, yeah, you know what? 
moving out the country doesn't sound so bad right now. Exactly. And then the multi-generational households. And then you look at how many large employers have moved to this work from home. And it's like, hey, if I can work from home, my company's going to keep this. Maybe home should be what I change as opposed to something else. Right. And so I think there's a lot of good things going for our industry right now. And I'm still very bullish about it for all the reasons, the low interest rates, the, the rights. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think we're seeing a lot of shift too. And, and, you know, people have been now in this pandemic for, it's hard to believe that's how many months it's been now, but, you know, you look at that and, and, and I think people, you know, first, okay, I can deal with working on my dining room table for a little while, but after a couple months, it's like, oh, this isn't going to go away for a while. Now they're starting to reevaluate their homes in general and say, okay, I do need a private dedicated office or maybe I need two, uh, you know, my wife needs one and I need one, or I need one for my kids and I need one for myself. And so we're starting to see some shifts in what they want That's in right. a floor plan and all sorts of things like that. And I'm, I'm assuming you're seeing that as well. And, and, you know, with the new home, you get a new home warranty and everything works and you get a Wi-Fi enabled house where there's no dead spots in it. So there's a lot of good things that come with, you know, maybe it's time to sell my home. So I'm super excited about it, uh, I, I about the industry, but I, I am, I am, uh, have some trepidation around the pandemic. I, I hope we get the vaccine soon. I, I hope that uh, we get some stimulus for the people that are hurting uh, so that the industries can come back and thrive. Because I think if you look at the underlying economics of our country, like those are those are fine, right? Yep. The stock market's going up and down and right now it's down. But the underlying economics of our, of our country are really, really good. So if we can get around this thing and really start to improve our uh, rates of, of transmission of, of this uh, virus and get that lowered down, like I, I think we've got a lot of room to still run. Yeah, and there's, there's such a, I mean, nationally, we're not creating enough housing. You know, we're probably 200,000 units easily short uh, for what we should be producing. So- you know, that, that, that means that, you know, we can't even build enough to, to replace what's, you know, because obviously every, every year we got to replace some houses that just can't be repaired anymore. Right. And so we're not even hitting that level. So we're behind nationally on that. So I think, you know, that's a good sign going forward. And, and what I'm told rates are supposed to stay good for the next couple of years, or at least year and a half, two years might go up once the vaccine comes out a little bit, but I don't think, you know, uh, there's a, there's a lot of ground to make up. So I think home building is going to be a big part of that. We're a big part of the GDP. And, um, you know, the biggest uh, thing that worries me sometimes is the lumber prices and what we're dealing with, with that. And hopefully we can continue to produce some domestic lumber. Um, we rely too heavily on outside sources for that. So those are all things that you know, hopefully we can continue to work on and get better at, but, uh, um, anything else that, uh, you think out there industry-wide that, uh, any trends or anything that are, uh, of interest to you that you think people would like to know about? So, so look, if, if you haven't figured out that you need a great ERP system that's easy to use, so you can track your job costs, that you can predict your profitability, so that you can deliver homes on time, then look, d- dinosaurs have issues. And, and so I would tell you to start moving in that direction and start with your back office, start with automation, start with being able to look at your fingertips and have the answers that you need without having to go calculate them every single time. Uh, there's, a, there's a huge shift. And, and you know, when I look at home builders across the edge, I'm surprised and, and, and you know, compared to 20 years ago, how many MBAs are operating home building companies? I mean, people have figured out these are real businesses. You know, if you're doing 500 homes and each home costs, $500,000. Gosh, you're a really big company that has a really big breadth. So it doesn't take a lot of volume 
to really become this great economic engine of American part of the, the you know, small businesses that make America run. Homebuilders are, are a chief part of that. And so I, I would tell you, start getting on that curve to where you're making life easier for suppliers and subcontractors, because that'll pay you back. So I think if you're not looking at technology, please look at it, start in the right spot. Uh, pick people that are going to be around who really have a customer first uh, methodolo methodology around thing, yep. how do I deliver products to you? And so, you know, where I said, look at your customer journey, look at your supplier journey. We try and do the same thing. We look at our customer journey on how do people come in and adopt our products and why do they get it, whether they're a builder or supplier, because we do both sides of that. Fantastic. So uh, someone's interested in learning more um, about hyphen solutions or I ask questions for you. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I would tell you, come to the website, take a look at us. We're at www.hyphensolutions.com and click on, click around there, click contact us. Uh, there's an 800 number on there that you can go to. Our direct line is 972-728-8100. We would love to hear from you. Fantastic. And I'll put, uh, put that information in the show notes as well. So for those of you listening and you want to learn a little bit more, you guys can hop right over to the website, right from our podcast. So um, once again, I want to say thank you so much to Felix, Vas Felix Vasquez for, uh, Coming on the podcast today, I appreciate all the insight. Thank you so much for joining the Home Building Hero today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here with you. All right. And for those of you listening, once again, please make sure uh, to share the episode if you haven't already. And of course, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future content. And if you do want to engage with the Home Building Hero, you can visit us on the website, homebuildinghero.com or shoot us an email, homebuildinghero at yahoo.com. Once again, I'm David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Home Building Hero, and we'll talk to you very soon.